The Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Mark chapter 2, verse 22. No one puts new wine into old wineskins, or else the new wine bursts the wineskins. But the wine is spilled, and the wineskins are ruined. But new wine must be put into new wineskins. The old covenant could not contain the new covenant that we have with Christ. Now, it was the forerunner. It was that that would see But Jesus Christ brings in a whole new dimension to our lives and to our world. Welcome to Exploring the Word. This is Bertie and Alex, and we're in Mark chapter 2. We're going to get into chapter 3 today and see how far we get. But we hope if you have time that you can get your Bibles and follow along with us. If not, listen, and we'll read many of the scriptures, and you can be blessed. Alex, again, we find out that this, this new wine can't be put in old wineskins. It just can't contain it. It can't expand, can it? Well, it can't. And uh, do you ever think about what would have happened if the participants in the old covenant could have gotten their heart and their mind around the new covenant? Oh, yes, I have many times. And that's why Ezekiel Jeremiah was talking about, you know, that stony heart put into a new heart, a, a fleshly heart. Listen, Jesus just changed it all. He came not to do away to the law, but to fulfill the law and give us all that we need for life and godliness in this present world. Alex, following Jesus Christ is the greatest, greatest decision anyone could ever make. Amen. Amen. Well, you know, the word wineskins, I looked that up, and it means wineskins. skins. <laughs> It, it literally means a bottle made of leather, okay? And wine, uh, sometimes in the Word of God, um, the Holy Spirit is compared to wine, the new wine, not, not alcohol that intoxicates, but the Spirit of God that uh, quickens and enlivens. Now, think about this. It says that if you put new wine in the old wineskins, uh, it'll stretch and rip, but new wine has to come into new wineskins. Bert, um, are we the wineskin? And is the question, will we stretch and let God lead our lives? I mean, if the Holy Spirit of God came rushing in to fill our soul, our heart, our mind, our, our outlook, and our life, I mean, would we rip apart and resist God's work, or would we be compliant and willing to follow? Through the power of the Holy Spirit of God, we can. Without Him, we will not. I just want to tell you, we're saved by grace. Get that down. Now, that's not saved. Grace doesn't mean that we're saved uh, in our sin. Keep on sinning, but he saves us from our sin so that we can expand. Honestly, you was talking about, you know, the expansion, but this new wine, it does not intoxicate, but it liberates, brother. Amen. It liberates Amen. us from our old sin. It liberates from our old self and brings in a whole, whole new spirit within us. Well, I don't want to push this analogy too far, but just like, you know, alcohol, wine, clouds the mind, but the Spirit of God clears up the mind. Amen. And in fact, the most alive you'll ever be, and the the most alert and, frankly, wizened you'll ever be is when you're led by the Holy Spirit. And, you know, we are the wineskins, these leather bottles. Now, will we let God fill us or not? But here, I'm going to try to push this analogy, and then I know we need to move on. But um, it's almost like old religion, formalism, uh, legalism, is as intoxicating as alcohol. Now, here, here's the thing, and, and you correct me if I'm out of school here. I have known people that um, they confuse their preferences with their convictions. Now, preferences relate to, you know, a lot of things, music style or maybe even the look of the sanctuary or what do we wear in church. Convictions are things on which we all agree, like Jesus is the Son of God. Uh, Jesus alone shed his blood to wash our sin away. 
And just like legalism, I'll put it this way. I've known people, and they were very legalistic, and oh my goodness, they wouldn't, they wouldn't dare touch alcohol, and that's fine. But they would let their mind get clouded by religion, ritual, um, legalism, power, control, and and I, I'll grant you it's it's a little bit intimidating. But Bert, to let the Lord have control, to fully give the reins of our life, the reins of our church, the reins of our ministry, to fully put it in God's hands, that's the most liberating, enlivening thing I know of. It really is. And and listen, if you've never done that, Alex and I, we try to do this. Just about every every program lets you know that you can have this liberation. It's not in the alcohol. It's not going to be in drugs. It's not going to be in a human relationship. It is going to be in a relationship with Jesus Christ when he comes in. As you look at yourself and say, man, I can't make it. I can't do all that. I'm filled with these traditions and these practices that I don't know. But come to Christ. Ask him to help you repent, turn away. Ask him to come into your life. He died on the cross. He rose again so that we could have life. And if you need help, we've got partners, and they'd love to talk with you and pray with you at 1-800-NEED-HIM, 1-800-NEED-HIM, so you can be that new wine skin, so that new wine of the Holy Spirit of God can come into your life and expand you and make you who you need to be. Well, Alex, after he does that, then they have a Sabbath day controversy. Uh, He went through the grain fields, and his disciples were plucking grain as they was walking through. How horrible an issue that is. I mean, they reached Mm. up and plucked some grain so they could eat it as they were going. That was observed by Pharisees, and they said, this is unlawful on the Sabbath. (laughs) <laughs> well, you know, it reminds me a little bit of verse 16. The Pharisees were watching who he ate with, Matthew and the tax collectors, and it's almost like they're kind of spying to see where they can trap him. But uh, they said, why do they on the Sabbath day do that which is not lawful? Now, Bert, am I right here? Doesn't this almost harken back to Ruth and Boaz and the principle of gleaning that um, farmers would let the the poor people or the persons would need, that they were allowed to get enough, just a, a few handfuls on purpose, as as they say. But not on eat. the Sabbath, Alex, not on that Sabbath. No matter if you're starving and walking, uh, you couldn't reach up there and get that on the Sabbath now. <laughs> right. Uh, that, that's right. Not on the Sabbath, but they could glean a little bit what they needed. Yeah. And Jesus said to them, have you never read what David did when he had need and was and hungered? He and they that were with him, this is 1 Samuel 21, David and his men ate the the table of showbread, bread. Okay, In the temple worship in the wilderness, there was uh, bread that was part of the, the things on the altar, and rather than starve, in other words, let me throw a word out here, folks, they had a morally sufficient reason for doing that. Um, saving human life is more important than keeping a one-time ritual right? And it's like, Bert, when people ask me, you know, in the Old Testament, why did God say kill the Canaanites? Well, he had a morally sufficient reason for doing that, because he was going to bring the Savior into the world. And so David and his men went into the, in the days of Abiathar, the high priest, they ate the showbread, which is not lawful, but for the priest to eat, and gave also to the soldiers with him. And Here's what he says in verse 27, 28, and if you would read it, Bert, Jesus throws out something that for these religious Pharisees, this is going to blow their mind. Would you read 27? If you have a Bible, highlight this. Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was not made for man. Okay? The Sabbath was made, excuse me, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore, the Son of Man is also Lord of the Sabbath. Listen. Oh, my goodness. That's it. Listen. it. We are his. Look at creation, Alex. What did he do everything first? And then he made man. And, mm. and here it is. Uh, the Lord is Lord of the Sabbath. And what were they doing? They were making their rules the Lord. Honestly, yeah. that's what they yeah. were looking at. Well, and 
this is amazing because, you know, these are professional religious Jews that, I mean, they wouldn't dare violate the Sabbath. Now, remember Jesus, later on he would say, these people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. He says, first of all, that the Sabbath is for man, not man for the Sabbath. That's huge. In other words, that this Sabbath is to bless and serve us, not the other way around. But here's the other thing. The term Jesus uses for himself 82 times, Son of Man, which is from Daniel. This is one of the titles of the Messiah. And he says in verse 28, Therefore the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Okay, stop the presses, Bert. That that Sabbath you have piously observed for centuries, Jesus is looking at them and he says, I am Lord, L-O-R-D, Lord of the Sabbath. Now, again, critics, even liberals, accept the Gospel of Mark. And here, Jesus Christ... Bert, I would submit if we only had Mark 2.28 alone, we would have definitive proof of Jesus declaring his deity. I would agree with you fully. And he does, and he is Lord. Is he Lord of your life? Uh, Is he Lord in your family? Uh, Listen, your church... And uh, we pray that he is. He comes to chapter 8, and you were talking about them watching them. Listen, that's exactly what they did. Look at verse 2. After he entered the synagogue, in verse 1, a man had a withered hand, and they watched Jesus closely, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. Now, he knew what was in their heart, and he said to the man, step forward. And he said to them, that's the others that were there, the Pharisees, all of those scribes, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save or to kill? What did they do, Alex? They kept silent. Uh, they, they, <laughs> uh, they, they knew better they than knew to better. try to, to debate the one who is truth incarnate. They did. And, and by yeah. the way, let me just say this. The Sabbath is the highest day of the week. And if he's Lord of the Sabbath, the the supreme day of the week, then he's Lord of the other six days, too. Amen. Great point, Alex. If he is Lord of the greater, by definition, he's also Lord over the lesser. In other words, follow Jesus every hour of every day. In verse 5, we'll finish it in this segment. So when he had looked around at them with anger, here's Jesus being angry, but Mm. sinning not, being grieved by the hardness of their hearts, He said to them, stretch out your hand, and he stretched out it, and the man was restored. Listen, Jesus wasn't fearful of those people. Don't you have to be fearful either. This is Pause to Pray, a chance each day to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today we pray for Monica Bertinoli, director of the National Cancer Institute. Her office conducts and supports research, training, and other activities related to the causes, prevention, diagnosis, and treatment of cancer. 3 John 1-2 reminds us of God's blessings of good health. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God. We ask you to guide Monica Bertinoli as she leads the fight against cancer. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. Dr. Tony Evans says Christians who think they've arrived probably haven't. He'll talk to us about how to take a more honest look at where we are on the roadmap of life as we spend two minutes with Tony. One day we were returning from California and we hit the Texas line. The sign said, welcome to Texas. And my kids excited to see the sign said, yay, we're almost home. Not Do you know how long it takes to get from West Texas to Dallas? That is an eight to 10 hour drive. You aren't near home, all right? You got settled down because we got a long way to go. They thought another 30 minutes we'd be pulling up in the driveway. Listen to me. 
Because you are not where you used to be is fine, but we got still a long way to go before we get home. We still have some more ground that we need to cover. And don't be satisfied because you got a little victory in your life. There's so much further to go if we're going to follow him. He wants to take us to new heights and deeper depths in Jesus Christ. He wants to show us things that our eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man. He wants to reveal us. He wants to show us power we've not known before, give us experiences we've not experienced before. So don't quit now. Your best years are in front of you. Follow Christ. Learn more about what it takes to develop a close and vibrant relationship with the Lord. Check out Tony's CD series, Pursuing Christ, available online at TonyEvans.org. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. As we go. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Hey, we're going to continue in math, uh, Mark 3, verse 5, Mark 3, 5. But I want to give a number, and this is not the call-in number that we give, and we'll get to that call-in number, but listen to this, 877-876-8893, 877-876-8893. That's a, a number to record a listener testimony, and share is coming up in April, and if this program has touched your life or American Family Radio in general, uh, some way this has helped you, encouraged you, inspired you, would you call that number and just give it like a one minute little, you know, I thank God for AFA or Exploring the Word or Today's Issues or Airing the Addisons or whatever of this broadcast or the, the content we provide, whatever has really touched your heart, call and give us a little word of testimony, and that will help us share with the entire nation how God is using the ministries of AFR. And the number, if you would record your testimony, it's 877-876-8893. And we'd love to hear, because we just want to praise God along with you, how these programs might be touching your lives. Bert, let, let me comment on Mark 3, 5. Jesus said to the man, stretch forth your hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored as whole as the other. You know, uh, to somebody listening right now, God might not be saying stretch out your hand, but he might be saying open your heart. Or he might be saying, give me your life. Or he might be saying, let me heal your emotions. If you're sad or you feel wounded or you feel alone, let me be your friend. Um, Bert, doesn't Jesus invite us to himself and what our need is, he will meet it? He really does. And the greatest need we have is that relationship with him. And uh, yes, there he stretched out his hand and it was an act of faith, an act of obedience. And what an opportunity it was and what an opportunity it is for you to trust him with whatever hurts you, whatever. Uh, listen, we, he is the one that's in control, not us. We don't tell him what to do. We ask him. We can present it to him and let him decide what would be the best for us. Alex, I found out that when I've asked him certain things, I'm so glad he did not meet that request at that time. Uh, listen, I've learned so much about our God by being in his waiting room, observing him, wow. watching him, and waiting on him. And during that period of time in the valleys and in the hardships, in those difficult times, he has made himself known. And listen, it is being in God's waiting room is worth it. Do you remember Mary and Martha when Jesus uh, had showed up after Lazarus had dead, died. They said, yeah. if you had been here, but because Jesus waited, he waited two days on purpose, and then yeah. he came. Guess what happened? Because he waited a greater miracle, <laughs> a the, greater worship. The power worship. of God was manifested. It really was in a greater way. So many times while we're waiting, God is doing things good. So uh, just trust him. Trust him. 
I'm, I'm like it said in John chapter 6 when Peter said, uh, that Jesus asked, are you going to go away? And Peter said, to whom would we go? You have the words of life. So those of you out there that are in God's waiting room and you're waiting for God to bring about a change in your life, in somebody else's life, let God have his way in your life right now. Don't, don't presume upon him. Don't demand of him, but trust him. Alex, that's what this man did when he stretched out his hand. He trusted Jesus. I can't think of anything better. Well, uh, exactly. Amen. Uh, we're going to meet a new group here in verse 6. So after Jesus does this miracle on the Sabbath, the Pharisees went forth and straightway, that's that word again, we talked about it yesterday, right? straightway, they took counsel with the Herodians against him how they might destroy him. But Jesus withdrew himself with his disciples to the sea, and a great multitude from Galilee followed him and from Judea. Well, Bert, let's talk about these Herodians. Uh, all right, I mean, you got religious folks and you got political folks. Yeah. Now, on most days of the week, they just didn't have a lot for each other. But um, they have a common it, enemy now. That's ex- I was going to say exactly. Yeah. In Christ, they have a common enemy. I mean, it's it's yep. interesting. It's almost humorous, but it's sad. Yep. It is, and. Notice the words, how they might destroy him. That is the exact word. It, uh, the translation comes across, they want to destroy him. Now, what has the enemy come to do to us? Kill, steal, and what? Destroy. destroy. And this is a Satan. This union of the Pharisees and Herodians, this, this union that they have is demonic in every way. But Jesus withdrew with his disciples. I notice we talking about the word immediately or straightway, as it says in the King James. Listen, notice this word withdrawal. There's periods of time when Jesus withdraws from them. Why? Not for fear, but because of the timing. He he he's not only on the roadmap, Alex. He's on a timetable, and yeah. the Book of John declares that clearer than any of the Gospels. But here, even in Mark, we see Jesus on his timetable. Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the sea, and a great multitude from Galilee followed him and from Judea. They came from all around, even those in Tyre and Sidon, a great multitude. When they heard how many things he was doing, they came to him. Now, listen, they're coming because they've been fed. They're coming because they're being healed. Uh, and, and so, but that's not Jesus' main thing. His main thing is teaching and preaching. And so what's he going to do? Uh, he's going to take care of these unclean spirits. He's going to do that, but he's going to get ready for these 12 guys. And I'm looking ahead, but it'll make sense when you read 9, 10, 11, and 12. He's Amen. getting ready to send the 12 out to take care of the healing and the unclean spirit so he can do what? Major on the teaching. Uh, Alex, how important is teaching the Word of God? Well, it's everything because, you know, Romans chapter 10 says, you know, how can they believe if they haven't heard? And how can somebody proclaim unless they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those that bear the good news. Hey, I was a brand new believer and I hadn't been saved long. And my pastor, rest his soul, Mark Sink, preached and he asked, have you got beautiful feet? And I'm, I'm sure many people have heard sermons like this. You know, be, are you being a witness? Well, I'd, I'd never heard such a thing in my life. You know, beautiful feet. What, what in the world? But how beautiful are the feet of those who send or proclaim the good news? And like you asked, um, how important is the teaching of the Word of God? I mean, Bert, I've got to say that really surpasses anything else the church does. Isn't that what Jesus told Peter there in John 21? Feed my sheep. Teach them. Uh, With sound doctrine, Paul would add that. So he said, get a boat. And I'm just going to share with you. Verse 9, he said, get a boat so that if the crowd gets too big, I can get away. There it is again. And he healed many. So verse 11, who had afflictions, pressed about him just to touch him. And the unclean spirits, whenever they saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, you are the Son of God, but he sternly warned them that they should not make him known. Again, this has to do with his timing, doesn't it? Yes, absolutely. And, um, Bert, 
Let me just chase this rabbit for a minute. Uh, I think it's interesting, verse 9 talks about that he gets in a boat. The King James renders it a small ship, and there's this multitude. Now, the Bible compares Jesus to our ark of safety, right? Just like Noah's ark. This is one of those Old Testament examples where the ark was a picture of Christ. The flood was a picture of judgment. But to be saved from the judgment and the flood, you had to get in the ark. And Jesus is our ark of safety. Now, that boat isn't the Savior, but the boat was what made it possible for the multitudes to hear about the Savior. Um, in, in a way, is the church almost like the boat that brings Jesus within earshot of the crowds? You know what I'm saying yeah, there? I agree with you, yeah. Christ is the ark of safety. Joining the church is not what saves you, but the role of the church is to bring the people to where they can experience the one who saves, which is Jesus. Yeah, we take the gospel with us. We are to be living words of God. You know, we're, we're to share the good news of Christ. They're to see our good works and proclaim, and, and, and that's what we do. We, pl- compl- we proclaim who God is through our good works. Well, Alex, here he is. He's got these multitudes. This doesn't catch Jesus by surprise. He knows what he's doing. He's already called these men, and he said, I'm going to make you fishers of men. Now, let's see what he does here in verse 13. And Jesus went up on the mountain and called to him those he himself wanted, and they came to him. Now, who are? They're a select group of guys that have come to where Jesus is. Then he appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to, to preach and to have power to heal sicknesses, and to cast out demons. So he's given them, he's given this. Uh, in a way, this is a pre-great uh, uh, commission. This is a, uh, it's not a trial run. It, Jesus knew what he was doing and what they could do. But for these men, it was something new. They had always been with him when this was happening, and now he's sending them away from him so they can do it as well. Now, real quickly, before I throw it back to you, he's going to name these 12, and I'm going to read them because I think it's important. Verse 16, Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, to whom he gave the name Bonerges, that is, sons of thunder, and then Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanite, and lastly, always lastly, Verse 19, and Judas's carrot, who was to betray him, and they went into a house. Now, Alex, these 12 are mentioned four different times, and they're always the same 12. They're mentioned in Matthew 10, Luke 6, Acts 1. They're always listed in groups of, uh, in, in three different groups, and there's four people in those groups. Now, they may have James becoming before uh, Andrew sometimes and Andrew before James, but these are always listed with the four guys always being together in three groups. Now, again, I think that shows you the organization that Jesus had. I also share with you that he wanted, let me just say this, relationships and accountability, you know? And mm-hmm. uh, it seems like he puts these together for strength and accountability. How important is that with individuals as we as believers? You and I, we talk on the phone. We work together. We we pray together. Uh, there's some accountability and encouragement between yeah. us as well. Shouldn't that be every believer and everyone to have at least someone, if not two or three, that they can just be strong with and courageous and get encouragement from? Oh, it's vitally important, Bert. You make a great point. And listen, it's it's very empowering and liberating because we weren't made to be alone. We weren't made to be in isolation. And men especially, I think, need the fellowship, the encouragement, and yes, the accountability of, of fellow brothers. Uh, and we, we need that because um, we're going to go on after this ordination service. And Bert, I, I guess I'm correct. This is the first ordination yeah. service in the in the church and the the lord of the church the head of the church does the ordaining Amen. and he empowered the yeah. 12 all right they go out and it's it's very sad um the people the crowds are there so much they can't even eat a meal 
Verse 21, and when his friends heard of it, they went out to lay hold on, on him, on Jesus, for they said, he is beside himself. And the scribes which came down from Jerusalem said, he hath Beelzebub, and by the prince of devils cast he out devils. And Jesus replies, how can Satan cast out Satan? And if a kingdom be divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house be divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan rises up against himself and be divided, he cannot stand but hath an end. All right, Bert, um, i got to tell you, I've always found it even hard to read these passages. And I'll tell you why. Because, um, and, and this relates to the unforgivable sin. They're in the presence of God. Undeniably, Jesus has validated himself. He fulfilled the prophecies. He had the power of God. He taught the word of God. He could do miracles. Clearly, this is the Savior, and they knew it. And yet, they attribute to Satan the works of God. And that is unspeakably dark, isn't it? It is. It really is. Now, let me share with you. Real quickly, got about two minutes here. Beelzebub, the word has the idea of master of the group. That's what they're saying. And mm. and then when it comes to verse 27, Jesus turns that word on them. Not the same word, but a derivative, a similar word, when he says no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man and then he will plunder his house. Jesus, listen, he is the one that can overcome anything Satan has. He's, he's going to overcome death and sin, the two greatest enemies that we have. And here Jesus is stating matter-of-factly that he is greater. And again, Alex, this is blasphemy. It's against the Holy Spirit that already rejected the Father, that already rejected uh, the son. And now, according to verse 29, this blasphemes against the Holy Spirit. They, they're, they're denying the whole aspect of God totally. They are in complete denial, not partial, but completely. And so he tears down the very idea of this being Satan divided against Satan. No, mm. it's God. He's on the throne. He is Lord. And it's Satan who is coming against him. Now, God will win, won't he? Amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Yes, God always wins, and that's why you want to be on the side of the Lord and truth. Well, Exploring the Word is going to come back right after this. We'll take your calls and questions. Call now, and you'll get in the queue. That's 888-589-8840, and we'll take your Bible questions after this brief break. Stay with us. Friendships is offering an exciting opportunity for young adults who want to grow in their walk with God, become physically fit, and learn relief ministry while serving in the Middle East. This is an amazing opportunity to serve God and experience Israel. Check out Seahawks One-Year Scholarship Program at friendships.org or call 337-433-5022. That's 337-433-5022. The next session begins August 19th. This is Jan Markell. Next on Understanding the Times Radio, we talk about the coming temple in Jerusalem called the Tribulation Temple. What does the Bible have to say about this temple? Do Christians have a role to play? And how does this connect to end-time Bible prophecy? That's next on Understanding the Times Radio. Saturday afternoon at 1 Central and Sunday afternoon at noon Central on American Family Radio. We live in a day when America's families are under attack like never before. Buddy Smith, Senior Vice President of the American Family Association. The war against biblical principles rages on numerous fronts. The Internet, Hollywood, Washington, D.C., America's corporate boardrooms, and the list goes on. At American Family Association, we're committed to standing against the enemies of God, the enemies of your family. And we recognize it's an impossible task without God's favor and your partnership. Thank you for being faithful to pray for this ministry, to give financially, and to respond to our calls for activism. What you do on the home front is crucial to what we do on the battlefront. 
We praise God for your faithfulness. And may he give us many victories in the battles ahead as we work together to restore our nation's biblical foundations. But avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and strife and disputes about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Angela Davis, self-avowed Marxist, feminist, and former vice presidential candidate as a member of the Communist Party USA, was visibly shocked when she learned that she was a descendant of pilgrims on the Mayflower. Davis appeared as a guest on PBS's series Finding Your Roots, hosted by Henry Louis Gates Jr. Davis learned that she's also a descendant of a slave owner. These revelations are worldview-crushing for a person who's made a career of segmenting the American population into oppressed and oppressor categories when she hails from both. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner or visit the podcast page at AFR.net for more from Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. In him, we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. Ephesians 1:11. American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Thank you for listening to Exploring the Word on the American Family Radio Network. It's a joy for Alex and myself to be able to do this program. What a privilege and what a responsibility. And one of the things that we do and just appreciate so much is being able to talk with our listeners as you call in. Here on Exploring the Word, we take Bible questions and prayer requests many times. And so, Alex, it's always exciting to talk to the people who are listening, isn't it? Well, it really is. And folks, again, that number, if you have a Bible question, it's 888-589-8840. But we're going to begin with Brian in uh, Mississippi. Brian, welcome to Exploring the Word. Yes, sir. Uh, I've got a prayer request for my son. His name is Elijah. And I'd like for all the prayer warriors to lift him up to God. Hey, y'all. Pray for his salvation and pray that he has a sound mind because right now he's going through some hard times. And I know he's going through some depression and he's, mm. he's way away from his family. We can't get to him right now. We can't get to him for about three or four weeks. And, uh, yes. and you, you say he's in the Navy? Yes. Okay. Wow. He was. Okay. What we're asking everybody to do uh, Brian has a son. His name is Elijah. Uh, again, he needs salvation. He needs a sound mind. He's away from his family, and we're desperate for the him, and this separation is really painful. Uh, Elijah's his name, Alex. I think we can go to the Lord in prayer for him, don't you? I do. Bert, would you lead us? I will. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, we thank you for Brian calling. I know what it is to be a dad and and have a son that— that you're concerned with, a child that you're concerned with, Father. And that's where he is. And, Father, I pray beyond anything that you would touch Elijah right where he is, no matter where he is. Father, you are not limited to speak to him by distance or our circumstances. Right now, Father, may you speak to him that Elijah would know that you care for him that you desire for him to be a part of your family. And, Father, I pray that he would fall before you and call upon you and be saved. We're asking for him to have a good mind, as it said about the prodigal son, when he came to himself, when he came to thinking straight. Father, that's exactly what we're asking for Elijah. Let him think straight. That means you and know what you've done. And we're praying for victory. Give Brian and the rest of the family some peace while they're waiting. And they're in your waiting room. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Wow. The love of a father for a son is very, very touching. And, Brian, we appreciate you calling in. We're going to stay in Mississippi and go to Ed. Uh, Ed, welcome to Exploring the Word. 
First of all, appreciate y'all's uh, ministry, sir. And uh, how did Jesus deal with politics, and and how should we approach a fellow Christian who supports uh, as as we as you said on today's issues, uh, the spirit of Antichrist party. So I, I'm gonna hang up. And listen. Thank you, Ed. Go ahead, Alex, since uh, you were there, and I'll add mine if I need to. Um, Let me recommend a fine book by a brilliant, brilliant scholar. Bert, do you remember a gentleman, we've had him on before, Neil Mauman? Yes, I do. That's who I, matter of fact, I looked at his book today. I was going through some books, and there was that book. Well, Neil is a a Christian of Indian descent, originally from India. I, I won't belabor this point, but let me just say, Neil Mauman is equal parts godliness and brilliance. He's intellectual. He wrote a book called Jesus Was Involved in Politics. And let me say, it is meticulously footnoted and researched. And he talks about the fact that when Jesus would debate the Pharisees, the Sadducees, uh, the uh, Herodians, like he did, he was addressing the political leaders of the day. I mean, a lot of people don't know this, but at the time of Christ, Israel had a standing police force. They had soldiers. They had uh, elections for various offices. And so all of that to say this, the, the, it's a misnomer that Christians and pastors shouldn't speak about politics. We should. And in fact, and I know the gospel is the main message, but here's the thing. By having um, good politics, we retain the freedom to preach the gospel. And Bert, um, I, I know, job one, get people to heaven. Believe me. But how about we retain the culture that gives us the liberty to tell people how they can get to heaven? Thus, we have to speak about moral, social, and political issues. When you look, and I'd recommend that book as well, Jesus Was Involved in Politics. got a new name, but you can go to Neil Mauman, and you can find that, and I would recommend that book as well. Let me just share this with you. With all my heart, when you come to this, like today, Mark chapter 3, and you see the Pharisees plotting with the Herodians, the political party of that day against him, you you have an automatic opportunity to say there's those that are against uh, free speech of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have those that would stop us from defending our faith, from even speaking out in that. And so if I, with all my heart, Alex, I believe if you've preached through Scripture, I don't think you have to chase a rabbit. I don't think you have to go into another direction to to do this. It's right there in Scriptures when you see it. And uh, I've been doing—I I didn't know any better that I wasn't supposed to do that 30 or 40 years ago when I first started preaching. It was just there. And so yeah. let me just recommend that. Ed, that's, that's what you do. And uh, you speak to that person. And you tell them as best you can that, listen, truth is truth anywhere, anytime. And what Jesus said about marriage, what Jesus says about your identity, try to do it in love. I know sometimes if we speak things passionately, they think we're unloving to say that's wrong. But I am anti-agenda. The individual yeah. who's trapped into the, the, the lie of Satan concerning homosexuality the lie of Satan concerning your identity as male or female, yes, we're to have compassion upon them. But the agenda is evil and straight out of hell. Bert, you're right. And um, in the interest of of all the calls waiting, I I would love to elaborate on how I've learned from you. If you preach straight through the entire Bible, you will come to the issues, and you let the Bible and God's position speak for itself. So that, that was a great answer, Bert. We're going to go to Mark in Kentucky. Mark, Mark, thanks for holding, and welcome to Exploring the Word. Uh, thank you for taking my call, and, and I really appreciate it. I listen to you all about every day. I just have a question about your about A.W. Tozer. I'm reading some of his books. Hmm. Uh, I just want to know about what your opinion of him is. Well, amen. It was my privilege a few years ago to uh, contribute to a book on Tozer called Inspired by Tozer, T-O-Z-E-R. He was a pretty famous Christian preacher in the mid-20th century. I think he died in like 1963. Yes. And I, I would have no problem at all. I love Tozer. I really do. 
And uh, in the book they did about his life, and I contributed a couple of chapters, you know, he had a lot of great wisdom. He said if, if the Holy Spirit was removed from the early church, everybody would know it, and everything would grind to a halt. But if the Holy Spirit was removed from much of the modern church, nobody would even notice, and nothing would stop. <laughs> so he was, Bert, in a way, Tozer was a lot like Vance Havner in that— um, you know, he was a revivalist, a, a, a holiness preacher, um, but he would lay the cards on the table. I mean, he he had no time for beating around the bush, did he? He did not. Listen, when I started preaching, I had the privilege of being hearing people like Adrian Rogers, uh, people Amen. like Peter Lord, uh, Jack Taylor, uh, Ron Dunn, and oh, Manly yes. Beasley. And it was talking about the ministry of the Word of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. Guess where they got a lot of their stuff? A.W. Tozier. Uh, they yeah. would they would quote A.W. Tozier again and again. And that quote that you gave him, that's the first one that I ever heard of him. And uh, so, Mark, uh, listen, if you're looking for somebody that got everything right, I doubt if you find them, including Bert Harper and Alex McFarlane, you know? And, uh, and we tr we try to be right, but, you know, uh, so you're not looking, oh, man, he's wrong there, so I can't listen to all of it. If he's off, it's off just a little bit, but he's right on on the major issues, Alex. He really is. He really is. And, you know, a lot of times Bert and I will mention these names from decades past, but it's because these guys were worth hearing. And I want to encourage you, visit your church library. If your church has a library, chances are there's some books that are from 50 years ago. Seek out those books. Vance Havner, uh, J. Harold Smith, Oswald J. Sanders, you know, uh, A.W. Tozer, because those, those, those guys from half a century ago, Bert, they were pretty wise. Um, we're going to go to Maryland. Michelle in Maryland. Michelle, thank you for holding. Welcome. Well, thank you. I appreciate your ministry. I listen to you guys on the way home from work most days, you. and it, you're a blessing. So thank you. Thank um, you. My, my question was, uh, you had read about, um, just briefly, about uh, binding a strong man. Yeah. And I wondered your opinion on that. Is that like we should bind Satan as the prince of the power, the heir of this world, in Jesus' name, uh, to keep him from things in our lives? Thank you, Michelle. Thank you for picking up on that. Again, this is uh, Jesus picked up on the Beelzebub part. And again, and he uses that. Uh, is he dividing himself? Is he going against himself? Uh, the strong man, no matter who that strong man is in the house, okay, no matter who that might be, they have to be overcome when, Alex, first. And no one mm -hmm. can enter a strong man's house and plunder the goods unless he what? first binds the strong man. This can be talking about uh, a demon, evil, Satan. I understand that. Be careful how you do that. But it's also true in our lives. Guess what? That which is controlling us, that which is uh, leading us astray, guess what? It's got to be overcome because everything else, if we don't overcome that, guess what? Everything else is going to feed off of that, and we're going to find weaknesses. Have you noticed that these things have tentacles? You know, they're kind of mm -hmm. like an octopus. If, if uh, you're, if you're, uh, alcohol controls your life, it will control your finances. It will control your relationships. And that is the whole idea. So the strong man, evil, Satan, they first be overcome. If it's in your life, that issue first must be overcome. And then guess what? Liberty can come. Amen. Amen. Well, you know, Jesus said the prince of this world is judge. The strong man... The vehement one, the angry one, Satan is defeated. Uh, Satan is defeated, and the strong man has been bound, praise God, by the risen Jesus. We're going to go to Domingo in Texas. Domingo, welcome. You're on Exploring the Word. Hey, brothers. Uh, I just had a quick question, uh, more guidance, I guess, from you guys than anything. Um, I have two, ten two teenage boys, one's 18 and one's uh, 15, and uh, just wanted to get in the Word with them together and just doing something together with them. So I wanted to get uh, any recommendations from, Let from you guys. Let me speak first. D Domingo, amen. I've been there having the age boys, and you want to be there with them. 
some of Alex McFarland's books will be great because what they do, they take a double edge. They take it from an apologetics point of view, but then he comes back and gives a devotional point of view. Notice that's how Alex does it here. He will read a scripture, but then he said, well, let Half the time he'll say, let me chase a rabbit. Well, he's really not chasing a rabbit. He is giving you a thought of devotion that helps to bring that alive. So I, I can recommend highly Alex's material. Alex, I, I set you up. Tell them how they can get well, some of that. God bless you. You know, if you go to the AFA store, and if you're on American Family Association and just, you know, in the space bar type resources, I wrote a book, and I listen, I give God the glory. I'm not here to talk about my books, but... Uh, 21 toughest questions your kids will ask. And there's a book. There's also, additionally, as a separate resource, there's a seven-hour DVD teaching series. But in the book, and many parents have like read it like devotions with even their preschoolers, we talk about what everything Christianity, God, the Bible, the fall, sin, Jesus, what it means to walk with the Lord. And so my 21 questions book, I would recommend for all parents. And of course, it's at the AFA resources uh, site. But also, let me just say, Domingo, uh, very crucial age, 14 and 15 and 18. I mean, these young men are going through the teenage years. They're moving from adolescence to adulthood. This is the time not only to impart the message of salvation, but biblical morality, keeping yourself pure till marriage and things like that. So, brother, I commend you. Uh, you just keep on. Because, Bert, uh, am I right on this? The best discipleship is spelled T-I-M-E. <laughs> Amen. And listen, uh, spending time with them, hunting, spending time with them, oh, shooting yeah. baskets, and sharing the Word of God. Listen, we want to get to Russell. Russell, uh, I hope you're listening uh, I know, Russell, you're asking about an accurate translation of Scripture. Let me give you one, the New American Standard Version. I love it. It's it's good. Alex, what Scripture would you recommend? What uh, translation? Well, I'm with you. NASB, I love it. Um, it's 30 years old, but the New King James Version and the Holman Christian Standard, HCSB. There's so many good ones out there. And, of course, if you're looking for a study Bible, I love the David Jeremiah Study Bible, Bert. Amen. Life Application Bible. Brent, our producer, has been using that lately, and he comes back and he says, man, this is good stuff. So mm -hmm. Life Application Bible is as good as well. Thomas wanted to know who authored Daniel. Alex, do you think Daniel wrote most of it and then somebody put the finishing touches on it? How do you believe that? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, ultimately, the Holy Spirit was the author. Daniel was the main <laughs> penman, wouldn't you say? I would think so, but you had some to put some finishing touches on it, and it's still the Holy Spirit of God does that. Thomas, uh, we couldn't get you on the air, but thank you, brother, for calling today. Alex, tomorrow is Fire Away Friday. You going to be ready? All questions, all the hour you don't want to miss tomorrow. Folks, keep your radio tuned to AFR, but tell somebody about Jesus. Bless you all. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.